This is Will with another episode of Projections. So last week I talked about the significance of how many people oppose Roe v. Wade being overturned. Um, and, it's, and it really is just a massive amount, um, 70% of Americans uh, in both parties. Um, and I talked about the significance in particular, actually, for the coherence and stability of far-right political narratives in general. And of course, Roe v. Wade is extremely important, full stop. I guess I'm just saying it's important in a lot of ways. But yeah, no issue is understood in isolation, right? And this this is the problem with with following what polls say in this kind of stupid, unreflected way that, that Democrat uh, consultants um, try to do. Uh, every political issue that people get pulled about um, is understood in the context of a narrative and often multiple narratives, right? Multiple narratives that overlap with each other um, within, you know, the same person, right? Uh, and don't necessarily get resolved. This is how you have the same electorate elect Obama the second time and then, you know, vote for a fascist, right? Like, this is, you know, it's not like, yes, people get radicalized, but also people are like, you know, contradictory and, you know, believe multiple things and speak multiple languages, right? And this is a lot more complicated than just a straightforward analysis of uh, how much power has the left built, quote unquote, um, because I think that often different narratives are harbored by the same people a lot of the time. Um, and you have to develop and speak to one. And a big part of doing that is whether that narrative can account for things that are potentially destabilizing. So for the GOP, everything is predicated on this kind of shaky ground, right, which is this narrative that the biggest threat to you is trans people, right, is is people of color, is feminists, is, you know, all of these groups that, you know, <laughs> you know what these groups didn't do is overturn Roe v. Wade, right? Um, that was Republicans who did that, and it's super unpopular. And so I think that, that that gives the left an opportunity to really break through to people. Um, but in order to do that, I think that there are a lot of spaces that the left has not been attentive to enough. And in, in particular, I guess I want to talk about this this sort of interesting relationship between online spaces and household spaces. Uh, because the household has a very um, clear-cut role in the conservative imagination, right? Um, and I want to talk about how that, that clear-cut role is actually, like, extremely unstable. Um, but that clear-cut role is that the household is where nuclear families raise children. So the household in this imagination is this kind of manifestation of... Uh, motherhood and fatherhood and traditional structures but it's unstable because of course child rearing uh, is done collectively in all kinds of ways you know obviously there are schools right um, and this is why the conservative movement is focusing so much on homeschooling right now and there there actually has been you know bills recently um, to give parents 
uh, money to homeschool their kids, right? So, so to realize, to route the right to public education through uh, parental sovereignty, right? Um, and parental independence from other institutions. But this is unstable, of course, because, you know, this one, obviously this requires money, right? It requires state funding, um, and state funding and a, and a redefinition of a public right to education to be realized and actualized in the home as if homes are sovereign, right? Like this is all, this is all extremely, um, contradictory, but also just at the, at the level of the conservative movement and conservatives have their own media. Media is extremely important to the conservative movement and, but left media is grooming kids right to not be conservative and so there's this anxiety in this worldview about the internet and about media and about everything that is you know that that children are exposed to but also that just people are exposed to that does not shore up this vision of a sovereign family that controls all everything that is said and thought under the roof of the house, right? And there are two stories that I want to talk about here um, where I see this nexus of the household and the infrastructures that support the household that the conservative imagination of the household denies, um, how all of these are being highlighted in new ways that totally destabilize this contradictory imagination of a self-standing household um, and potentially create openings to reach people who are reached by the far right as parents, but can be reached by the left as women under attack by the far right, as well as allies of other people who are under attack by the far right, right? This is, this is why narratives are so important, is you need to account for all of these things. And so the first story, which is maybe not a surprise that I would talk about this one, is the protest at Brett Kavanaugh's house the the protesters are protesting by and large i mean this is this is chevy chase maryland um <laughs> they're protesting by and large as women as mothers right this is a suburban neighborhood but as mothers who are under attack not by trans educators or something but by the by the far right and they're being cast as the feminists who are outside of the home violating its sanctity right and brett kavanaugh then is paradoxically in this like weird way like you know motherhood or, or you know patriarchal household right um is is the kavanaugh home um and it's it's a it's a tough lift when 70 percent of americans oppose roe v wade being overturned to get a majority of those people to identify with brett kavanaugh and hit the inside of his house instead of all the people who are on the outside of his house pressuring it, right? Because um, people already support the protesters. But then we can turn the screw even further, right? And like point out that it's not just people who are on the street who are protesting the home, right? But like, I retweeted it from my home and I saw videos from my home, right? Uh, and there's there's all these ways in which you know, again, this is another tension, right? Like the household is absolutely private, but what do people do on the house in the household, right? They go on the internet. 
the internet is this kind of way that the domestic sphere is not just the domestic sphere, right? It also is the public sphere. And so people's alignments with inside versus outside the home are being reconfigured here. And you you have all of these uh, mostly cis women now find themselves the protesters peering in to the sanctity of Brett Kavanaugh's house, right? Um, and so that's interesting. But then another story that I think is is even more uh, kind of category jamming with all of this is uh, last week there's a Twitch streamer, uh, trans uh, Twitch streamer who goes by Keffels, um, K-E-F-F-A-L-S, I am out of my depth talking about Twitch streaming. Uh, That's not my world at all. Um, My world is Twitter. But yeah, Keffels, who's this very popular Twitch streamer, highlighted uh, another Twitch streamer who is a 16-year-old trans girl who, in the middle of her stream where she was playing Minecraft, police, she lives in Tennessee, Tennessee police barged into her bedroom with the intent of getting her ready and preparing to take her to foster care um, for truancy. Uh, And the reason why she has truancy, um, the truancy charge is because the school, uh, because she's trans, was making her take courses online uh, because you can't have trans people in the school. Um, So, of course, long history of right-wing American politics and the the household and the public as one sphere, right? This is the sphere of segregation historically. So this is, again, very like category jamming and confusing if we take the household just at its word that it is outside of the market, outside of the internet, outside of the public sphere. It's totally private. Um, Because what was really happening here, right? Police not only broke into the house representing those conservative parents as a political force, but the home that they broke into, right? They broke into a Twitch stream. Uh, and you can and you can see it's like wild to watch, honestly. Um, and this this streamer now is is in foster care. Um, it's extremely sad. Her name, by the way, or the the name that she posts under is Viowin. It's V I O. W-Y-N-N, if you want to look her up and support her. Um, She's had one stream since she's been in foster care uh, and seems to be um, doing okay and is safe at least. Um, But yeah, this is just, it's, this is clearly the front lines, not online as parasocial, meaningless, and all the ways that online gets dismissed by the left as... A sedative to keep you from getting out into this, you know, out into the real world where the real action is happening. To instead of being on the streets, you're online, right? Um, not only is online here uh, like the streets, um, but also as the Kavanaugh thing showed, right? Online is constitutive of the actual streets, right? People are watching the protests and retweeting them and boosting them from their homes online. And so I think that 
with respect to this anti-LGBT conservative politics and the sort of unholy alliance it has struck with so-called gender-critical trans-exclusionary radical feminists, which basically want to draw a boundary around cis womanhood as womanhood and cast trans women as these invaders into uh, womanhood as a space. Now, suddenly, you know, it's not that it's not that the cis women who are protesting Kavanaugh's house are like super great on trans issues necessarily. I'm sure they're not um, in a lot of contexts. But the point is that this is a context where they they are aligned in a way that the conservative narrative disavows. Right. And that creates space for a left narrative that can account for all of this. And so more generally, I think there's a lot of work to be done on dignifying the politics of the internet and the politics of the household as not distractions from legitimate organizing and legitimate civil society, but actually as constitutive of organizing and constitutive of civil society um, and constitutive of the left's, you know, more like spaces the left is more comfortable thinking about, like like trade union spaces, right? Um, the Amazon union. The internet is a huge uh, component of the political meaning of that for the left. And, th- and that's not at the expense of valuing the organizing that was happening, you know, on the shop floor, um, you know, maybe literally, I guess they do have a shop floor, right? But yeah, the internet and the household and the understandings of various social identities that are that are wrapped up in the figural meaning of the internet and of the household are all pretty unstable and up for grabs too. Um, And that's something that I'm going to continue to focus on here. Um, But also, if you want to hear a more robust conversation about this, the latest uh, superstructure um, release that we did, uh, as of the time that I'm recording this, we released it yesterday. Uh, We had Erica Robles Anderson from the Oikos Working Group at NYU, joining my co-host Natalie Tapp-Smith and my Money on the Left collaborator Scott Ferguson for a conversation about all of these things, as well as a recent, kind of recent book, 2017 book by uh, Melinda Cooper, titled Family Values Between Neoliberalism and the New Social Conservatism, uh, that that really is interested in critically rethinking um, household politics and what the household means for political economy. The, The answer that I'll give you provisionally is it means more than one thing and there's not mutually exclusive. You know, we need to unapologetically build and contest these narratives rather than try to shore up one theory of change or something like that. Because, you know, as as I hope this episode demonstrates, right, the household is a lot of different things. Uh, and it's not just the household. It's infrastructural in all kinds of ways. And infrastructure is constitutive of the household too. 
So, okay. Um, thank you so much. If you want to support our work, you can do so at patreon.com slash MOL superstructure. And otherwise, I'll see you next week. Mm -hmm.